Well, our moms think we're funny. Hey everybody, this is Turk182. And I'm Akomi. Ah, so uh, Akomi, we are back once again with, uh, you know, part two of our Watchmen Files, Osmandius. And of course, this is kind of, uh, once we finish Osmandius, this is it, man. We've, we've talked about the Watchmen you know, to the extent that we could possibly talk about it at this point. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, unless we want to, unless we want to do like an episode on the fat guy. On the fat guy? Yeah, Larry. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Larry, Larry's a special thing all into himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've been on a little temporary stint with a different type of job and uh, it's kind of affected my gym time but i'm thinking about trying the vite method here oh yeah you I think hear, it'll work for you i hear that'll I, I hear that's supposed to unlock my full potential here hmm i was uh i was thinking about joining the chinese military they've got that really catchy song about being a man you know <laughs> uh let's see um either uh either that or um i was I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do that or there's that new, um, that, um, uh, that, uh, uh, Rocky workout. Um, the Rocky workout. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry. It's, 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 I, it's not called the Rocky workout. It's the, the, uh, the Dr. Frankenfurter workout, you know, <laughs> you go, cause in, in just seven, in just seven days, he can make you a man. So I was like, well, you know, I always wanted to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen that meme of Mulan? Of uh, it, it's when it's when the captain finds out that she's a girl. So <laughs> it's it's this it's just a screenshot of that scene where he's looking really angry, and the doctor found out that she was a woman. But then they just put in the caption of like, "Ping, you're a girl. I just thought you were a regular clumsy effeminate fin boy. I'm disgusted." <laughs> <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> uh. But yeah, we've uh, we've been discussing uh, the one and only Ozymandias yeah. from the Watchmen universe and uh, the orchestrator. Yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to talk about uh, a mysterious case that's been ravaging the city. A bunch of doctors and scientists and writers have been going missing. Um, so if you look at... Um because it's really kind of hard to pinpoint like all the little parts where they kind of talk about these people going missing and stuff. Because it's it's always little things. Yep. Um, and the one I'm going to point out here is at chapter seven on page thirteen. It's just they're watching TV and talking about the crisis in Afghanistan. Of course, you know the war with Russia, and it just says, "Meanwhile, at home, police stop searching for missing writer Max Shea, having failed to open any new lines of investigation." Uh. And that's how it's been with like all these like missing scientists and stuff where it's, um, you know, they, they, they're, they're gone and they're like, whatever, what happened to these people? They're all just missing and they, they're missing quote unquote, but no one is really missing them. Like, right, right. like people just haven't seen them, but they didn't, they didn't just vanish. There's no signs of foul play. They're just people just like, I haven't seen them. Like, where are they? I haven't seen them. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, and of course, we get a little bit of a of a hint of where they are when we go to um, chapter eight, uh, page eleven, mm-hmm. where of course we see, you know, the um, the one artist and artist and uh, Max Shea 
and he's talking. He's like, still sketching, uh, Miss Manish? I thought you'd be glad to uh, see the uh, the back of the damn thing. And she's like, I'm just, uh, I am, I just need some final studies of the facial assembly. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You blocked my light. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. You know, please excuse an old drunk who's just out admiring you know, the coast of mosquitoes and daydreaming about you know, getting back to the mainland. They uh, say like, three more days. She's like, yeah, how can you draw on that you know, tarpaulin? Uh, and she's like, you know, they lifted it for me to see the the beak structure. And it's uh, it's interesting because like they, you know, as, as you, everyone knows, the um, the um, these guys have been working on something, even though they don't know exactly what they're working on. Yeah, they've been yeah. working on something, and whatever it is, all these artists and writers, you know, have all been coming together to put this thing together. And I think it's interesting. He didn't just get right get artists to kind of create this thing, but he also got writers. So what would you need the writers for? Uh, you know, uh, for for like a plausible like story about how it would evolutionarily develop. Uh, but also, I think you need the writers for memory has just enough intelligence mm-hmm. to when it dies, it's not that psychic scream there. So to give it some kind of intelligence, you also have to give it some kind of a life. Mm-hmm. And that scream has to be some kind of like a scream of existence, like immediate existence and then death. Yeah. It, but that death has to mean something to you. So I think the writers were also there basically crafting a a, a life for this thing, like, you know, a history yeah, of it, you yeah. know, no matter how brief it is, because even though for, for it and for us, it just went into existence, you know, when it comes in, it did it, in its mind, it's like, it had a, a life for however long it was right, that is right. suddenly being snuffed out. Yeah. What's that line in Scott Pilgrim three where it's like, um, you know, when a baby's born, it starts crying because of the sheer terror of being alive, <laughs> something like that. Um, it's it's interesting watching the sketch process though, because I feel like that's probably how Dave Gibbons works his pencils. <laughs> I could I could just be speculating there, but like, it's interesting because a lot of a lot of artists do like enclosed geometric shapes, and it seems like these are loosely connected sketch lines, which is more um, that that's more of like a Neil Adams way of doing it. You think so? Yeah, yeah, because uh, Dave Sim used to talk about that that like. Neil Adams will, you know, work on one part of the one part of the figure and then like move down and work on the other part of the figure. So like he's got the entire image in his head and he knows, okay, well the foot's gonna go here, so I'll sketch a couple lines from the foot, and I'm gonna move up here. So he doesn't have to do like the entire understructure all at one time. And if this sketch is any indication of that, then that's probably how Dave Gibbons works too. So we have a uh, a part here where we're it's a um because we see in that chapter um, that uh, they're putting together the, the newest issue of the new frontiersman in, yeah, uh, in yeah. chapter eight. So at the end, we've got basically the, the rough version of uh, what's going to be printed. And, and then we've got basically the, the story about the missing writers. And he talks about, you know, early this week, the police called off their inquiry into the mysterious disappearance of author Max Shea, citing lack of evidence um, as a principal contributing factor in the decision. New Frontiersmen would like to remind uh, the authorities concerning concerns in our readers. The overwhelming evidence already tabulated by his paper suggests that Shay's disappearance was part of a carefully orchestrated conspiracy, the roots of which may yet be traced back to sinister Cuban interests. Of course, you know, it's the New Frontiersmen, um, <laughs> which is really all you have to say about that. It's Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, this is totally a newspaper that Alex Jones would would write. I could see that. And if there were superheroes, he would absolutely have stuff like that. Let me tell you something. Honor is like the hawk. <laughs> Sometimes it must go hooded. <laughs> so Shay's disappearance, no less than um, four prominent creative figures, also seemingly dropped from the face of the earth. These include radical architect Norman Leith, surrealist painter Hira Manish, and respected hard science fiction author uh, James Trafford March. Uh, immediately, the circumstances in each case are widely different and seem to allow for a simple, meaningless co- uh, coincidence of human de- destinies. Manish was apparently suffering profound difficulties with her marriage, making her apparent uh, abandonment of her husband and two sons somewhat less than surprising. March owned, uh, owed massive debts to the IRS. Who were frozen his earnings. Leith was, Leith was reportedly depressed and even suicidal during the run-up to his disappearance, as was fellow missing person, avant-garde composer Lynette Pally. So, you know, they, they kind of talk about these guys. Huh? The composer? Is that what I just read? Yeah, avant-garde hmm. composer. So, you know, it, it, I think it's interesting that um, that the new frontiersman is the only one that makes a connection between all these missing people mm-hmm. possibly being together or being missing because the same person, you know, like took them or kidnapped them or whatever it right, is. Right. In this case, it's the, uh, you know, the, the Cubans, the radical Cubans. Um, <laughs> of course. I mean, that would be my first thought too. And then like the, the, um, it says here, um, Older still and quite possibly entirely unconnected, there's a disappearance uh, of part of a person after his death. Recorded in the same week, Shay's Vanishing Act reached the uh, public awareness. Parents and relatives of so-called psychic and clairvoyant Robert Deshaines attending, uh, attending his funeral following the young medium's fatal stroke were horrified learning it. The ghoulish vandals or practical jokes had stolen the corpse's head from his body while they unattended upon a mortuary slab. Police voiced a few tenuous opinions concerning possible involvement by black magic cultists, um, but since there is no further evidence, has come to light. Even discounting the last curiosity, there is nobody who is prepared to look into this bizarre glut of disappearances and see uh, what emerges. Can it be that our increasingly shrill and nervous judiciaries are actually afraid to look too far into the particular rug for fear of what they might find hidden there? The new frontiersman repeats this warning. Talented and prominent Americans are being spirited away from under our noses. Isn't it time someone found out where they're going? Yeah, well, I, I know what happened with that uh, dead psychic. Yeah. His his bones were stolen to be resold by Ender Darling. Well, no, 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 no. His bones washed out of the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> so you you know you know what the new frontiersman is. The new frontiersman is ICP News. <laughs> That's exactly what we're like. Like. We're getting, we're putting some connections together that are, that are not only plausible, but they just happen to be correct. <laughs> but I just can't take that news from you. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> you know? It's <laughs> oh, it, it, just in. Hatchet Man reports that another prominent artist has gone missing. You know? Fucking artists, how do they work? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is. Like, they're like they're not right most of the time, but it's because of that that when they are right, you discount them so yeah, easily. Yeah, and and then it's like that terrifying moment of like, what if this is that one time that they're right? Right, <laughs> but then someone has to be reading, and unfortunately, the person that's reading is Russia. 
Who believes them wholeheartedly. Right, who believes everything. And also believes them about the Cubans and all that. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting, but also kind of sad. So, uh, so you know, so we, we've got them there. And of course, you know, all these guys are, are working together to build something that they don't know what they're working on. You know, of course, it's this giant squid and, and everything else that's related to that. And again, all of this is just slowly, it's, you know, all being put together masterfully by Vite. Yeah, yeah. And he's just putting it all together. Um. And, 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 you know, these people, again, they're, they've gone missing, but they're not missing because there's no, there's no kidnapping. They just disappeared. Yeah. They just walked away. You know, Manish walked away from her husband and two kids. You know, this guy was kind of depressed. Maybe he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. This guy owed a lot of money to the IRS and everything. Maybe he took the last bit of money that he had and, you know, ran off to keep from paying the rest of it. Uh, it's like it, but it's like, well, we haven't seen them, so they're missing. It was like, yeah, but they're not really missing. You right. know, that, that that's that's the great thing about it is like, because and that's why no one's really looking for them, right? Yeah, and that's beautiful. You know, it's like I found I found the right people to take that you know that that no one's really gonna look deep into. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of disenfranchised artists. Of course, they can disappear without anybody noticing. Has anybody ever noticed when we're away from our table at a con? No. Case in point. <laughs> well, no, because that's when they decide they want to buy shit from us. That's true. <laughs> I say, you know, I, I think I think I know what it is. It's um, it's uh, like when I'm at the table, I, I become um, what what what's what's her name? Uh, Abilene or whatever from last oh, night. Al- Albina. Albina, right? It's like, yeah, I want to buy his books, but I just can't stand to look at him. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as I walk away, that's like, okay, now I come over there and buy his stuff. <laughs> yeah, do do you have uh, any nipples and a pancake batter ass? Because otherwise, you're probably better off than Albina. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah, the only other thing we really see with the missing persons is when they leave the island. And they're all celebrating and they're all heading to the boat and swapping blueprints and drinking scotch. And uh, Max Shea and the artist chick. Dr. Manish. Dr. Manish. Oh, no, it's Miss Manish. Miss Manish, yeah. They go down below decks to screw with her octopus drawing there on the floor. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I never thought to try that with my arms. Like, here, let me just uh, set this up here. Yeah, it's a drawing astonishing. What of it? Um, and yeah, then the the bomb goes off, and but I I love that Max sees yep. the bomb, and he's like, you know, it's 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 that that oh shit that thing. I think at that point he realized, you know, one they were gonna die, and. Because I think as as you read through there, he's been trying to get her in bed, mm-hmm. like every encounter, and this is the first time he has the opportunity to. Then he looks and sees the bomb because you know they 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 create their creature because he says let's wave our baby bye bye right, right right, and then he sees it and then sees the bomb and realizes this is all a part of something bigger. And instead of having sex, what does he say? Hold me. Yeah, it's like. That's it's like he finally gets a chance, and he's just like you know, I I just need to feel some kind of like love, connection, tenderness, or whatever in this final moment. Yeah, and uh, it's 
it's it's kind of sad, but it's uh. Yeah, I remember the first time I read the book being very shocked about the bomb going off. Just yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> there's nothing left of the boat. Because <laughs> you, you don't think there's anything to these people. They're just, they're just another random thing in there, you know, just like everything else. Yeah. You know, but in the one story, we, I, uh, the one episode, I think it was the Rorschach one, I talked about the, the one um, uh, news report about the guy who killed his kids and killed himself because he said the war was coming. So I was almost like, you know, I was talking about how the, um, you know, the the newspaper vendor goes like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. oh, he's like, you know, it's not the you said the world was going to end. Well, the world didn't end. And he's yeah, like, you know, are yeah. you sure? And then, of course, that's that report. Right before the secretary gets killed and they're going to have the meeting with the toy people. She talks about the news report of the guy that killed him, killed his kids and killed himself. <laughs> So it's interesting how that, how that that continues to kind of. It's not just one thing that happens. It's it's all part of the universe, and it continues this to go through. You know, like the whole book is like it. It, it didn't just exist in Rorschach's story. It's like it's just a news article, so people are going to talk about it, yeah. even though it's not a major part of the story at all. It's just a a you know a slice of life that what happens in this world they have you know there in the situation that's going on, mm-hmm. but it's still something that you know people. Um, that uh, that people are, are you know aware of. Yeah, yeah. How will we be able to tell if this is the director's cut or not? Oh yeah, that's right. It has to be because um the the non director's cut uh that opening scene where the comedian gets killed it's it's a lot faster. Nope, not director's cut. Huh? Because in director's cut he teleports him away first. Yeah, and then goes to Mars. And the regular one, he just goes straight there. Interesting. Which I, I don't like that part where he just goes, because he goes straight to Mars there. I like where he teleports him away first and then he goes to Mars. It's like, it's like yeah. okay, now you know, now what do I do? Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, in-between chapters thing. Doesn't he uh, shoot down a Rorschach toy because he doesn't like Rorschach or something? Um, You'd have to read that. So, like... um. It's the end of which chapter? Uh, it's the end of chapter ten. It opens up with a letter from Leo Winston of Marketing and Development for uh, for the Vite toy line, and he's talking about how he wants to include Night Owl and Rorschach. And uh, we've got a note from Vite saying, "Agree with you regarding the expansion of the line." My study of recorded sales figures in a historical context suggests an increase in the sale of soldiers and action figures in times immediately prior to a period of anticipated war or bloodshed, and we should take advantage of this syndrome for as long as it lasts. However, ethically very uncertain about Rorschach, Night Owl, and Warlock, plus accessories, suggest instead we create costumed army of terrorists, introduce as main villains in the Saturday cartoon, and then duplicate here along with weapons, accessories, and vehicles. More militaristic flavor will sell better. The American public have never really gone in for superheroes in a big way. We'll discuss this next week. So, yeah. So, they wanted to include a Rorschach and a Moloch and and a a Night Owl. And he didn't want to do it. Which, uh, I've got to say, on the the picture of the action figures, they have a custom logo for Rorschach. Where the O is an ink spatter. Oh, that's nice. I love that. That is so cool. That is very nice. I think it's interesting that they have a Boobastus. Yeah. 
Even though no one's ever seen Bubastis? Well, he, uh, he, the, uh, the marketing and development guy talks about that because he says, uh, on a somewhat lighter note, I hope you will approve the inclusion of Bubastis. I know she didn't really play a part in your exploits while you were an adventurer, but I understand that the people doing the Saturday morning Ozymandias cartoon show scheduled for next fall are keen that Bubastis should play a major role as a feline sidekick, making it therefore appropriate to play her up in our other merchandising. But I'm saying, but she lives in like Antarctic. No one's ever seen her before. Oh, you know? he's he's always brought all his people down to his place for meetings and stuff because right. he had all those scientists that he killed. And he, well, he has Lori and uh, Manhattan there for that one mm-hmm. time, and she and she's like, yeah, it's yeah, a cross so. between a lynx and a. It's pretty much my favorite animal. It's a liger, <laughs> lion and tiger combined. That that that's who should John Heater should. I'm, I'm added to the list. <laughs> <laughs> We we can't talk about that yet, but I'm adding to the list. <laughs> so uh, I just just look, you know looking when Bite goes to to Antarctica and he's getting himself ready. He's watching a TV and he mentions um as he's watching a TV and they're getting it all ready for him. He's like, yes, I want you know all these TVs like randomly just uh, switching from channel from channel to channel. Mm-hmm. And he says here. Uh, as he's looking at TV, he's like, first impressions, old muscle, muscle men with machine guns, cut to pastel bears, Valentine hearts, juxtaposition, juxtaposition of wish fulfillment, violence and infantile imagery, desire to regress, to be, be free responsibility. This all says war. We should buy accordingly. And the guy, and the guys are like, well, we've never bought this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, you're, you're, he goes, of course not. You're ignoring the, the subtext, the increased sexual imagery, even the candy ads. It implies an erotic undercurrent not uncommon in the times of war. Remember the baby boom? And he's like, so, and he, so he goes on. It's like, you know, major erotic things goes. I think I'm ready to begin recording now. Um, and, but he's, uh, so before that, he says, um, we should negotiate controlling shares and select uh, selected baby food and maternity goods manufacturers. So not buying into war, but buying into, he's like, baby food and maternity goods. But not because of the war, because he's going to stop it. Mm-hmm. But because of what's going to happen after the war and the sudden, you know, like the baby boom, when the war ended, you had that baby boom. Yep. I'm ending the war before it started. And of course, we're going to have that baby boom. Yep. 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 So, yeah. And then after that, he, he goes into his personal history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah. Because, yeah, which we've talked about a little bit. We talked a bit about in the previous episode. Um, sorry, I got distracted by Rorschach eating sugar cubes in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because they're, they're in the uh, in the greenhouse there. And he talks about, um, about how his parents were both dead by the time he was 17. He had his inheritance and instead he decided to... Uh, pattern his life after Alexander of Macedonia. Yep. Which, uh, as far as people to pattern your life after, that's not too bad a one. I mean, it's not a great one, but uh, <laughs> Alexander the Great was definitely a genius. Hmm, he was. Uh, you know, you know, one thing I remember when I was in school, we were and we were studying about uh, about Alexander the Great, and. One of the things that I remember, uh, like, as I remember being taught in school, 
You know why Alexander the Great stopped where he did? No. Because he was getting too far away from his home country. <laughs> because, you know, they were... So, he. this is what he would do. As, as I remember being taught in school. So, uh, Alexander the Great would go and he'd take his army and they would go and they would take over, you know, they you know, take over a, a city. So, you take over the city and they're like, okay, so... You're now a part of our great city. Yeah. You, we're not going to make you slaves. We're not going to persecute you. You're now a part of our great city. So your soldiers, you know, we if you're you know, a good soldier, whatever, going to incorporate you into our army as we push forward to take over the next city. Um, and so every like everything that we have, you know, is now a part of you. So we have a, a great infrastructure. We've got this. Now you're all a part of that. Yeah. And then he would, pre- he, you know, his soldiers would move forward. So now he's just grown his empire and just made a great big city and like, and you're all now like a part of this whole family. Right. You know? Right. And that was the thing. He didn't, he didn't take over like in some places and like, okay, and now we're going to make you our slaves. We're going to kill all the men. We're going to make the women, none of that kind of stuff. But when his, when his army moved forward, he also had like a, um, like a, uh, I don't know, let's say a a traveling um, uh, brothel. Mm-hmm. So the soldiers, you know, were so they 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 the soldiers moved forward. and He had this like brothel and everything that moved forward with them. So they were always, you know, able to relax or whatever. Right, and then. Right. And then as it kept spreading, but he was getting further and further away from home as this movement because he's, you know, it's like, okay, and now we're, now we just made our city bigger. Right, and right. people were kind of happy to, in a sense, join a part of that because they weren't being persecuted. They weren't being ostracized. Right, they were yeah. all just being incorporated into his big city. And then it's like, and now we're going to move forward. And he, he kept, but he was getting further and further away from his home. It's like, okay, I can't, you know, I, I can't go any further. Because I'm now way too far away from where, from my home. Yeah. And it's like, that's so, I mean, you, you don't see that in, in places where it's like, when you go, it's like, you're the bad guy. And my whole idea is like to destroy you and defeat you. Mm-hmm. Not to be like, okay, we conquered you now. Hey, come join our family. You know, right, right. it's, it. and I, I, I'm not going to say whether what he did was great, whether it was wrong, whether people were happy, whether it was sad, but it's like. You know, obviously he was doing something right. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, it's, it's like Ozymandias himself says that he ruled without barbarism. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like this super oppressive regime or anything. So it's definitely he, he's definitely interesting. So I was I was just kind of looking at when um um uh, at the part where we uh. Rorschach and um, and the night owl get into Adrian's uh, into his office, you know, kind of looking at everything. Right. And of course, you know, Rorschach's still following the the mass killers uh, theory. So he says here also need motivation why uh, why should corporation wish to kill his costume heroes and controlled by some old enemy perhaps. But then who was uh, reason for triggering Armageddon? So we have so few pointers. Insanity would seem only one motive. Someone wishes to destroy world, removes heroes to prevent their intervention, 
someone terminally ill, perhaps, of course, he's in Moloch, uh, and he's Moloch, mm-hmm. perhaps. But it's like he's like right there, only he has it in reverse. Like he, right, he's right, right there, but he's like, no, no, it's it's the opposite of what you're thinking. Yeah, that's that's uh, Rorschach's big flaw is that he ha- he hyper focuses and hyper fixates and gets tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And you know that's fine when you're working on the street level because it's like, and it's just like we talked about in the Rorschach episode. It's like, here's a problem. I've I fixed it. This, right. you know, this guy's a rapist. He will never rape again. I ripped his dick off. He literally cannot rape ever again. And it's like, okay, well, that that works when you're just dealing on a street level. But when you're dealing with this stuff, where it's like 4D chess and and global politics and stuff, it's just so far out of his league. So, uh, what do you think of of uh, Alexander's knot that Osmandius talks about? Uh, Alexander's knot. Yeah. It's it's the next chapter over. He talks about how um, as he's because he's following Alexander's path and like going to all the ports that he went to, mm-hmm. and apparently Alexander uh, Alexander <laughs> God sound like Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander um, hit the city of Gordium because the ancient world's greatest puzzle was there—a knot that could not be untied—and Alexander cut it in two with his sword. Uh, it's basically the Kobayashi Maru. Pretty much, I guess. To me, it seems like kind of a dick move because it's like, well, obviously that wasn't what they were talking about doing. <laughs> right. But I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, so I, I have to say it's kind of a smart move because you're so focused on like, here, I've got this knot that cannot be like untied. Right. Right. And he's like, that's great. But your knot is only as strong as the rope is tied with. And it's not stronger than my sword, so who really gives a shit? Right, right. (laughs) By completely removing the rules from the equation, he assures that he wins. I get that part of it. It just, it seems like, you know, it's it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, hey, I I, I bet I can beat you at tic-tac-toe because I I know the steps that will guarantee I either win or it ends in a draw. And then you just rip the paper in half and it's like... Asshole. <laughs> well, I think I, I think it's, it's kind of like what you were saying about, about Rorschach, like like hyper focus uh, on something. Like they're so focused on like, look how great this knot is that can never be undone. It's like yes, but to what end? So right. you've got this knot there that can no one can ever untie. But it, it what, what's that? Uh, what uh, this uh, is it? The Osmania says it. That says like the um like uh. The bow and arrow was the was like the the strongest thing until the invention of this. So like that sounds so, right, yeah. So it's like you know, so yeah, you you're you're so focused, like, look, we did this thing here, and it can never be untied. It's like, but one who wants to, who cares? That was great yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But I don't give a shit about your knot. When it's like, who needs courage when you have a gun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I mean, yeah, I see like, what you're saying though, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but. But, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, like at the exact same token, even though it seems like a douche move, again, it's like he's he's just completely removed any restrictions from the equation. So it's like, okay, I don't care that the knot can't be tied because right. the knot is not here now. Right. <laughs> I, I made it not here, so I, I still win. <laughs> so it's like... It makes sense. I see why he did it that way. 
That's just if, if I were one of the ancient wise men and had that had that puzzle set up in my city for all these travelers and somebody came into that, I'd just be like, you asshole. You absolute perfect asshole. Uh, it's uh, it's almost like like the, the wisdom of Solomon. You know, it's like, well, I'll, I'll cut it in half. It's like, you know, uh, but that's not what we want. It's like, yeah, I know. Both of you want to want it as, as a whole. You both want it to be your own, but that means that one of you has to lose. Right. One of you has to be without. So here's a way that both of you can can have what you want. And it's it not to say that it's not good enough, but it's like, but that's not exactly what I want. And it's and then that's when you say, Well, this wasn't really about you having this thing. It was about them not having it. Right, right. can't remember what show it was i think it was recess on the disney channel yeah i don't know if you ever saw that no i never watched recess it was it was okay it had its moments um it wasn't a great show but it, it had some pretty decent episodes but uh, is that the one that had the um the kid look like most Sizlak? yeah okay <laughs> yeah tj Dewyer. um but they they had an episode where they kind of parodied that whole thing with solomon and cutting the baby in half but they got it backwards Cause like the whole so now the one wanted the baby and he forced someone to have it. Well, well, like the whole thing with the Solomon story is that you know the two women are fighting over it and he says, okay, well we'll cut the baby in half, and so the mother was like, no, just give it to the other woman because I don't want the child to be harmed, mm-hmm. and the other chick was like, yeah, okay, that way we at least get half a baby, <laughs> and so Solomon was like, okay, well you know the mother obviously wouldn't want any harm to come to his child, so I know this is the mother. <laughs> So that's so I, I can clearly not you should choose the baby in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh in in the recess episode, they're they're fighting over a doll on the playground, and so he's like, We'll cut it in half. And the so the owner of the doll is like, No, no, I don't want to cut in half. And then the, the kid who it doesn't belong to is like, Yeah, okay, we can cut it in half. And he's like, Alright, give it to give it to the one who wants it cut in half, and they're like, What? And he's like, Well, obviously, she's the owner because she's so desperate to have it that she'll accept any terms to get it. <laughs> It makes perfect sense. They're like, what? No, that, that's not how that works. <laughs> um. So you were, you were looking at the whole, at the, all the bites memos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you know, throughout the entire, like, um, throughout the all of um, of the the book, the you know, nostalgia is the is the perfume. And then you see the ad here, and it goes, "Oh, how the ghost of you clings," right? But then when we move after everything, the new fragrance is millennium. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, again, it's like, it's like getting rid of the past and letting it go because holding on to it is, you know, it's just going to bring us back to where we started from. And it's like, oh, how the ghost of you clings, how the ghost of the past, how we're clinging on to things of the past, you know, all the warmongering, we let it go. So nostalgia is no longer a thing. Yeah. And it's like, it's now millennium, you know, looking forward. Um. So I was like, it's it's kind of, that's, I, I like that 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 little thing there where it's like it's uh without really call it kind of necessarily calling attention to it per se, but saying that like yeah like here here's what this is and here's what we don't want yeah. So yeah, let's see what else we got here. So he kills he kills his assistants. He goes over the the path of Alexander. So, um, it, it may, if, if it does say, maybe I just missed it, but, um, 
I, as I look at the assistants, I don't get the impression that they're real people. I kind of feel like they're clones. Hmm. And they, the, the, they don't talk at any point, do they? Yeah. In the very beginning, when he first shows up there and they and he changes clothes and he's talking about the TVs and all that stuff and they're talking to him. And it's like they don't really come across as like they're real people. Mm-hmm. We know he has clone technology because he created because uh, he created the giant squid. He created um, Bubastis. So I kind of almost feel like they weren't real. Maybe not. I, I never really thought about that. He's got to have a kick-ass security camera system to be able to see Night Owl and Rorschach and all that snow. Also, well, I mean, look at what it is. But also, they all, they kind of look alike. Um, you know, I, I think you're being just a little bit racist there, Turk. Because well, when you when you look at the, at the thing when they, when he first shows up and you just see them all, their all their faces all kind of look very similar. Yeah, they do have different body types, though. You, but but like facially, they they look very similar. They do, yeah. And their their speech doesn't really come across as like like a real person. They don't talk like real people would. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that makes sense. It's a good possibility. And of course, I love when they initially confront him in the dining room. Well, um, and he just kicks the shit out of Rorschach the whole time yeah. <laughs> that he's talking, just just casually talking and blocking every blow. Very, very good stuff. So, like we've we've gone over this final scene so many times in the other episodes because it ties in with all the other characters. He, he basically explains everything. So listen to the, this thing here from uh, from Byte. When he's talking to the guys about um, about when his parents came to America, how he you know came to be. And he says, you know, entering school, I was already exceptionally bright. My perfect scores and early test papers arousing such, such suspicion that I carefully achieved uh, only average grades thereafter. What caused such precociousness? My parents were uh, intellectually unremarkable, possessing no obvious genetic advantages. Sorry. Um, Perhaps I decided to be intelligent rather than otherwise. Perhaps we all make such decisions, though that seems a a callous doctrine. But he's also saying person is like, oh, how do you how do you get to be something? Well, you just decide that that's what I am. You know, that's what I'm going to be. So here he's like, like, well, why? How did I get to be such a smart person? Well, maybe I decided that, you know. I am smart. I'm going to be smart. And then that's what made me smart. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so this is that financial thing. He talks about um, my intellect set me apart, uh, faced with difficult choices. I knew nobody whose advice might prove useful. Nobody living. The only human being with uh, whom I felt any kinship, uh, Kinship died 300 years before the birth of Christ. Alexander of Macedonia. I idolized him. A young army commander, he swept along the coast of Turkey and Phoenicia, subduing Egypt before turning his armies towards Persia. He died age 33, ruling most of the civilized world. Ruling without barbarism at Alexandria, he instituted the ancient world's greatest uh, seat of learning. True, perhaps, 
Uh, true, people die, uh, died, perhaps unnecessarily, though, who can judge such things, yet how, er, how nearly he approached his vision of a united world. I was determined to measure my success against, uh, against his. First, I gave away my inheritance to demonstrate the possibility of achieving, a star, uh, of achieving anything starting from nothing. Next, I departed for northern Turkey to retrace my hero's steps. I wanted to match his accomplishment, bring an age of illumination to a uh, benighted world. And he goes, I wanted to have something to say to him should we meet in the halls of legends. Hmm. So, you know, we, you know, the whole thing we talk about people that, people that were in search of, you know, in search of a, a role model, yeah. someone to look up to, you know, and everybody had that. The only person, uh, or eventually found it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the interesting thing was most of, you know, most of these people found it at a later part of their life. After they were, they still were looking for some, for someone to guide them, but they were, they were practically grown at that point. Right. Right. Except for Rorschach, who we said, you know, he created his own person. Yeah. But he created the opposite where they all created people to aspire to be. He created, he looked, he created a person to not to be. Right. right. You know? It's like it's like he created the image. Like they created something to run towards. He created something to run from. Yeah, he basically took on the role of a sin eater. Where it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna get neck deep in this shit so that nobody else has to. Right. Uh, and uh, and then we have you know Osmandius, and he. I mean, so he he says here that at a young age I realized that I was so smart that I had to pretend to be either average or stupid. Mm-hmm. My parents weren't of anything great. They were average. So, you know, when when they died, it's like they died and left me with money, but nothing else. Like I, I had no I still didn't have anybody to look up to except for this one person here who the only way I can even connect to him in any way at all, at least someone like Night Owl had Hollis Mason to eventually find. Right. He had the book to read. He was he was he was a, a living person that he could you know be like. Yeah, he he was better off than most people because yeah. he had a living person. Um, even uh, 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 I keep I keep want to call her Sally, but not Sally. Uh, Lori, Lori, yeah. Lori had her mom. Whether she liked it or not. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. she had her mom. And I think it's one of those things where I, I'm going to still look up to you, even though I'm not going to acknowledge it to you that I am. And maybe not even acknowledge it to myself. And it's like, and I'm going to say, well, I'm just going to take the little pieces, right. you know, that fit me. But really, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm stealing you away, you know, you know, like an inch at a time. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, but here he has nothing. Only thing he can do is follow in the footsteps of a of a of a man. And you're talking about three hundred year old footsteps. Like, really, what are you accomplishing? He's like he's walking in his trail, and he's like, I want to kind of accomplish what he accomplished, but you can't. Right? Yeah. You you can't. So the only thing you're doing is you're just and it's, it's like the ghost clings to us. He's mm-hmm. walking in the ghost of someone that existed three hundred years ago, chasing. An idea of, of someone who he thinks would be his role model or his idol without really having any idea of who this guy is. Right. And and he I think out of everybody, Osmandius is the most lost. I think so. I think I think so. And 
So as I followed the path of Alexander's war machine along the Black Sea coast, imagining his armies taking uh, port after port, ancient blood on ancient bronze. Strangely, before subduing Phoenicia, he struck north towards Gordium, you know, then the whole the knot thing. Mm -hmm. um, goes to Egypt. Um, and he goes, I followed him through Babylon, up through Kabul, through, uh, what's that? I don't even know how to pronounce that properly. Uh, Samarkand, um, then down the uh, Indus. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm not um, sure where you're. I'm sorry. I'm on page uh, page ten of uh, chapter eleven. Uh, Memphis. Uh, the middle. The middle. Um, uh, middle panel. Okay. Yeah. Babylon, Samarkand. I'm pretty sure that's Indus. Okay, where he first met elephants of war, where he turned back to quell dissent, a dissent at home. I traveled on to China, Tibet, gathering martial wisdom as I went. Alexander returned to Babylon to die of an infection at uh, age 33. Amongst his, um, its ruined ziggurats, uh, ziggurats, he saw at, uh, at last his final failings. He'd not united all the world, nor built a, uni a unity that would survive him. Disillusioned but determined to uh, complete my odyssey, I followed his corpse to the final resting place in Alexandria. So... Maybe he eats a ball of hashish because you know why not? Yeah, I mean that's what I would do if I finished uh, like walking around the world. So it's um, so you know he he goes through this thing and he goes okay so this guy that I've been that I've admired that I fall to you know in the end though as much as I as I admired him in the end I realized that the legacy he left wasn't really like he didn't leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. What he left was a story because it only existed as long as he was alive to keep it going. Right. He didn't right. have anything there to keep it functional, to keep it alive after he was gone. So it was, when he died, it all died with him. You yeah. know? And. Which is weird to think about, you know? Because, like, he, he practically took over the world. Right. And, you know, I, I think that. A lot of people in the generations past ours couldn't even tell you who he was. Yeah. I mean, shit, these, like, you know, a lot of the Generation Z kids can't even tell you who Hitler is, so. Yeah, and so, and and that's when he he decides, like, you know, I need to do better than him. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's, again, where he's, where Osmandus' failings come from in trying to find, you know, a, a role model, which is where a true role model... When you find someone that you look up to, you never aspire to be better than them. You aspire to do something great to, to, to draw their notice. So they will, so they will look and be like, you did something great. So yeah, they will take, yeah. so they will, you know, acknowledge you, you know, on that, on that level, respect you, be like, you know, it, you finally achieved, you know, right, right. But in this case here, he's like, I've been, the, the only guy I can look up to basically accomplished everything, but then when he died, it all died with him. So in a sense, he accomplished nothing. Right. Yeah. And so now I have to do better than him. In which case, he stops being your, your role model. He stops being your idol. Yeah. Now now he's your rival. Right. And and um and he and it's like um so you still don't have anybody to look up to. Mm -hmm. 
it's like so 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 where you're so he's completely lost i mean that's well, the thing. he's we, completely lost we know that he's lost because at the end of the story he's still asking did i do the right thing mm-hmm. and so like he he is he's what makes everybody uncertain like the only person who's certain by the end of the story is rorschach and manhattan they're the only ones who are on a clear path manhattan is like you know what I've seen all I need to see. I'm going to go to another planet. I'm going to make my own life. And Rorschach is like, I can't live with this. So just fucking in me. Cause I'm about to ruin your entire day. Otherwise. So, and what's interesting is as Vite's doing all this stuff and he's telling this story. Who's he, ta- who's, who, who's he talking to? Yeah. He, Cause that was all to his uh, dying assistants. Yeah. He's all, he's poisoned. They're already dead. Cause when you look at the, at the, um, at page ten, that middle um, panel there. Yeah, the butterflies. Yeah, they're they're dead. They're just yeah. sitting there. You know, they're already dead. And when you look at the next page, right, you see the butterfly lands on the guy's face. He's not moving. They're all just sitting there. They're already dead. So who's he talking to? Hmm. He's talking to the role model that he wish he had. Yeah, yeah. He, he's. I mean, he, he's. He's like. It's. It's like. It's like the. the it's like that. That the desperate guy. That's. That's like that's screaming to God to like acknowledge me, show me something. God, if you're you know. listening, help. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I need a becciotomy. <laughs> um, now we are 50 minutes into this. So I kind of want to um, jump over to this last thing where it's after the squid drops. Okay. And right. so we've got the final confrontation with Manhattan and all that. So I, I want to say this though, right? He says here um, today that conquest becomes absurd in which your unquestioning assistance has proved invaluable. Do you comprehend the triumph to which you have uh, contributed, the secret glory that it affords? Do you understand my shame at so inadequate a reward? And it's like, and he's talking to them, is like, again, they're, they're dead. And he's like, do you understand? It's like, you're asking for someone to, to tell you it's okay. Right, right. You know, and... In a lot of ways, he's, like, addressing himself with all this. Right. But, yeah, I, I know we're I know we're jumping ahead a little bit to, to go over to the, like, final chapter. No, it's, it's fine, because, I but, mean, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of done there. Yeah, well, plus, you know, we've talked about that scene where he's revealing everything to Rorschach and Night Owl mm-hmm. numerous times now. And there's not really a lot of information revealed about him. It's just in what ways he orchestrated everything. Right. But as far as, like, what makes him tick and what... Uh, what drives him? It's not really too much there. So, um, on the within that chapter, um, chapter twelve, we're at the end. Yeah, on page nine, he has the line about catching the bullet, and night. I was like, no, you, you couldn't, could, could you? And uh, yeah, he talks about the psychic, the psychic wave. We get to see Manhattan is all fucked up with the tachyons. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. My Manhattan favorite line. Is a... <laughs> Which one's the favorite line? Uh, and then he's like, uh, I'm so disappointed in you, Adrian. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very obvious that uh, Dr. Manhattan is a grower, not a shower. <laughs> That that panel where he's nuking uh, Manhattan and Babastus is a beautiful panel. Just like the blackened skeletons. Yeah. 
Uh, so let's see what else. Page 15, he does indeed catch the bullet. Yes, he does. I love how, I love how, um, how, uh, surprised Lori is, you know, when he opens up his hand and she's like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we find out that Squid dropped and everything worked, and, uh, page 19, he's ecstatic. I love when, when I, I was like, bite you, best of you heard, he goes, oh, Daniel, please grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's, he just like, I mean, I, I do see a lot of desperation to justify himself here at the end. Right. Uh, cause like, he, he talks about page 20, I saved Earth from hell. Next, I'll help her towards utopia. Um, all the countries are unified and pacified. Um, and basically tells them they have no choice but to let this happen. Blotting out reality. Um, I'm, I'm looking for that final conversation between Manhattan and him. It's when he's, um, it's after he's killed Rorschach. Yeah. And- oh, I never realized Rorschach was missing a tooth, I don't think. Because in the panel where he screams, do it. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's missing a canine. It's interesting how Dr. Manhattan, when he comes in, he just walks up walls and just, you know. Yeah. Uh... So, yeah, this is this is his last page, which... Um... We are fifty three minutes in, so this this could be a good a good finisher to discuss. I think, um, John. I know people think me callous, but I've made myself feel every death. By day, I imagine endless faces. By night, well, I dream about swimming towards a hideous. No, never mind. It isn't significant. What is significant is that I know. I know I've struggled across the backs of murdered innocents to save humanity, but someone had to take the weight of that awful, necessary crime. I hoped, I'd hoped that you would understand, unlike Rorschach. So, Manhattan responds, um, he says, John, wait before you leave, I did the right thing, didn't I? It all worked out in the end. And Manhattan just says, in the end, nothing ends, Adrian, nothing ever ends. And, uh, leaves him to his thoughts. I like that, because he says, wait, John, what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, he's like you don't, you don't get it, like, nothing... You know, he, he's just rife with self-doubt there at the end. And so it's like he is still haunted with all that. Yep. So, yeah. So uh, you've said before that you relate an awful lot to Osmandius, correct? I can relate to Osmandius. Um, I, I, I really can. Um, there was a it was like another line um, that uh, Osmandius says I was going to mention here too um if i can go back and find it again uh, uh crap i think i might have missed it um either you might have already might have already said it but um uh where is it at uh 
I think it was probably the um the um I think it was it was the the thing where you know the 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 nothing ever ends thing that yeah. that's what I was gonna mention. Oh okay. You know. uh, but um you know that's um uh, the fact that he's 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 asking he's asking, you know, Dr. Manhattan he's like, you know, well but you know, it's like I did good, right? Yeah. I did good. It's like at this point, he's the only other person that he's like. So who who else is like, and who's who's the next person? I guess fits the bill. Yeah, and like, it's got to be this. It's got to be this god. This godlike man, right? right? Yeah, like Manhattan's the only one he um he he can see is intelligent enough to give him a good answer on that, right? It's like you—you you actually can see like almost as much of the picture as I can see. Right, and he's like, and he's like, you've refound humanity, your humanity. Right. He's like, yeah. He's like, but I did good, right? It's like you know, and like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for you to decide. Did you do good? You know. It's like, and I think I think it's it's the thing with him is like same thing with with Alexander is okay. You've accomplished this. Now what are you going to do with it? Right, yeah. And it's one it's okay. It's one thing to build something and it's a it's another to, you know, to carry through afterwards. Yeah. You yeah. know, Frank Lloyd Wright is is known as being an incredible architect. His buildings are beautiful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know his buildings were shit, right? <laughs> no, I I haven't I haven't done a lot of research on that. Oh yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright's buildings they they look beautiful, but they were also like structurally flawed, yeah, and like yeah. They, like I, things I, I, would I leak and stuff that. like that. But and it was like, yeah, but they're so beautiful. It's like you, like how can you, how can you give praise to something like it looks really nice, but you can't actually live in it, right? And then like some people, like, like celebrities that bought the house, and it's like, hey man, I got a problem with the house. It's like it ain't my problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't, you can't sit there and be like, it's beautiful. It was designed by this guy. The inside is a fucking train wreck right. <laughs> but look how pretty it is you know it's, it's like the event it's, it's like the equivalent of having like a trophy wife you know <laughs> sure thing mr g and it's like <laughs> i mean it's you can't you can't have me i guess you can as long as you recognize that that's exactly what you're getting right yeah um well isn't isn't the saying that like it's it's up to architects to make the building look good but it's up to engineers to make the building inhabitable or something like that um, maybe, uh, may- maybe an engineer told me that. That sounds like something an engineer sounds would like say. something an engineer would say. <laughs> Classic um, engineer move that. Uh, so um, you know, it's uh, I think it's interesting. Like he he's, he's like, okay, yeah, I look, I I I brought the you know, in- anybody can create world peace for a second, for a yeah. minute, for a day. You know, it's it's like like the like the uh, the um the World War Two Christmas story, you know, right, where right. they you know like both sides laid down their guns and everything, you know, to have you know to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, but but what about you know midnight December twenty sixth? Like, who who cares if you lay down your guns for one day if the next day you're back to killing each other? Right. Yeah. You know? So. 
So it's like, so what are you going to do now? It's like, okay, yeah, great. But now what? Right. Yeah. Yeah, which I guess that's ultimately the big question that everybody has to face is, you know, where, where do you go from here? <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with, with people of great intelligence is that people tend to think that because someone is super intelligent or has a high AQ that that people think, oh, it's like, well, you know, if, if you if you really are, you know, so smart or whatever, then, you know, then why don't you know this or why can't you do that? It's like it doesn't mean I have the, the secrets of the universe. It just means that this person can can think or do or whatever in ways that you can't. Right. But it doesn't mean they know everything, you know, uh, and, you know, it. I, I'm always reminded of uh, of that that episode of Batman, the animated series, Maze of the Minotaur, the first appearance of the Riddler, where, you know, he's talking to Mockridge in the beginning when Mockridge fires him. He's like, you can't fire me. I created Maze of the Minotaur. I, I did this. I did that. You know, you know, I'm the smartest guy on, you know, on, on your team. And he goes. Yeah, well, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Right, right. And it's like, yeah, but it's like, those, those are technically two different things. I do understand that, yes, you know, if you're so smart, then what? But, you know, it's like, they're, they're, they're two different things. You're rich and you're not smart at all, right? But, you know, it's like, so it's not like those equal anything or, or to say be like well if i can do it because i'm really stupid then you should be able to do it because you're really smart like right, not right. necessarily um you know so it, you know in 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 Veidt's defense uh, of sense is like he was um it, it's it's almost it's almost like a jurassic park thing it's like you were so focused on whether or not you could you didn't think about whether or not you should right yeah. it's like okay you were so focused on bringing world peace that you didn't think about what happens afterwards right yeah and we don't know the book ends there so we don't know what happens afterwards we don't know what he was thinking about if he had plans for afterwards you know yeah and uh well and you know that's that's what uh the point of the last panel is in watchmen is you know it's it's up to the reader to figure out from there what happens i i leave it entirely in your hands that's a message to the reader as well as uh as well as alex jones's assistant so yeah and you know and the um and again, it's like, and also for the people of, um, for the people of the world, it's like you, like you have this thing that you say you've always wanted. It's now up to you whether or not you're going to keep it. Right. Because you can keep it. It's just a matter of not fighting. Yeah. But, but are you, well, it's not even a matter of can you do it, but are you willing to do it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you you said that um you know that I it can you know can uh um I guess what the what was the word you're saying um I just I seem to have recalled that you had said that you could relate to uh, Osmandius pretty well uh, in but, certain, but maybe I'm misremembering no 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 I, I can I can in in a lot of aspects because, you know, because what, what he has separates him and makes him and, and alienates him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it keeps him alone because he can't relate. Cause one thing you don't see 
with Osmandius, even at the end, is he has no friends. Right. I mean, he is all alone. He's already realized that that the one person he thought he could relate to, he has, in a sense, like outgrown. So he, so he only thing he has are his thoughts, his ideas, and his intentions. Right. He's got nothing. At least, at least everybody else, Lori, Dan, even even Rorschach has someone. You know, even if it's just the guy that he that you know harassed about the new frontiersman, even if it's occasionally when he breaks into Dan's house, right? You know, yeah. it, the fact that he's watching over Dan, like that's a con- a human connection, even if they're not real, even if they're not you know face to face, it's a human connection that he doesn't have at all, right? Yeah, and even the people that he does talk to, he doesn't have conversations with them. Because they can't converse with him on his level. Right, right. Yeah. I guess, like, the closest thing he would have to a friend would be Babastus. Mm-hmm. And, like, that that's, a, you know, that's a test tube baby fake cat, so. Right. It's, and it's a friend you made. Right. So, you can you really call them a friend? I mean, you know, you've, you've really got to question the nature of that type of friendship when you're shooting at your imaginary friend near 400 gallons of nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, a. Uh... It's it's kind of sad. It's like the other part of that is Osmandius uh, just carries such a burden that other people don't. It's just like it's 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 a burden of the and I don't want to say intellectually superior, but of those who are above average intelligence, right? To basically look out and guard for those who are. Below average intelligence. Yeah, yeah. It's a, because because they don't know like what. Not, it's not even a matter of like, well, I've got to you know childproof everything. It's it's that you're not aware of the evils that are out there in the world. Right. You're walking around naive and blissfully ignorant, and I've got to take care of these things. That you would fall prey to that you don't know exist. And if I'm doing my job right, you'll never know they existed. It's, it's like that episode of Futurama where Bender becomes God and he's like, you know, if you do, if you do it right, you know, then people won't believe that you've done anything at all. Right. And, and it's a thankless job because you can't tell people that you've done it. You can't tell them that the, the reason that you were able to get up yesterday morning, go to work, come home and go to bed is because I protected you from all this stuff that you don't know existed. Right. Right. And, and, and there's no one to thank for it. And I just have to baby, you know, it's like, I, I'm carrying all this on my back and you don't know, you, you don't see like the, you know, the invisible like rocks that are tied to my waist. Right. And, right. And, and that's, it's, it's really kind of sad. And in the end, Osmandius is like, what he really wants someone to say, you know, thank you. Right. Yeah. He's like, I did right. Didn't I? He's like, say thank you because the world will not know of what he did. And then even if he could tell somebody, he'd have to get half of them to realize, you know, to understand what he did. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, uh, Kind of like the Thanos thing where, like, all, all he wanted was to accomplish it and then just go live in peace on a farm. Right. And it's like, 
the universe would be grateful to him without even knowing who it is they're supposed to be grateful to kind of thing. I can't remember exactly what that line of dialogue was with Thanos, but hmm. it, was, it was something along those lines. But but yeah. It's, so Yeah, go. What's um I can't think of her name now. She's probably my one of my third favorite poets. And I, I think it's because I can't remember her name, but she's the one that wrote the poems. Like, um, I, uh, I did not uh, was that I did not have time to stop for death, so death stopped for me. Oh, uh, Emily Dickinson. Is that, is that Emily Dickinson? I think so. She wrote a lot about death. Anyway, but but she rolled her stuff and she, and she just kept it kept it in like in like a like a, a big Footlocker, right. never intending for it to be published. Then of course it's published after her death and she's a big deal. And and some people are like, well, you know, some people think you know they just write to write. They just like you know they don't want to be famous. Like, yeah, but the thing is, they never intended for any of this stuff to be. No, they never. It's not. It's not that like like they didn't that they were just writing for themselves. They never intended for anyone to ever read these things. Right, right. And it just what happened that they became famous afterwards. Right. Yeah. You know, as opposed to people who want to be famous now and yeah. they want someone to say, "I like what you did. Good job. Thank you." Mm-hmm. And. And somebody like, yeah, but you, sh- you should be doing this for this. Like, no, th- you don't understand. You just need someone to say thank you. Right, yeah. You know? And and you, you can't always get that. Yeah. But um, hey, we're like an hour and ten minutes in? Yeah, hour and ten minutes in. So, so you know, here it is. We have this whole, this whole 12 issues plus, you know, additional material there. And all around Osmandius, the guy who decided that he was going to save the world. Um, And I have to ask, what were his intentions? Do we know what his intentions were? I mean, I would, I would have to say that he thinks he's trying to save the world. Yeah. But is he trying to save the world because he likes the world because he wants to save it? Is he trying to do it because he's trying to prove something to Alexander to say, like, not only did I do what you did, but I surpassed you? Is he doing yeah, it because the world needs to be saved? Is he doing it because he cares about the world and people in it? Because he's removed from them. He has no connection to them. Yeah. So, yeah. really, what was his reason for doing it? Was it just another problem for him to solve? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. And I think we can cap it off with, we leave it entirely in your capable hands. Oh, shit. I got ketchup on my shirt. <laughs> All right. So that's it, man. That's everybody. This this has been the Watchmen Files. We did it. Yeah, we did it, man. We fucking finished something. <laughs> yeah, Watchmen Files ending with Osmandius, which is um I mean I think out of everybody Osmandius is the one that even even with the comedian, the guy who had the least amount of information to tell us about himself, Osmandius is the one that leaves us with the most questions. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, uh definitely Definitely, like, the the pivotal character of the story. And, uh, yeah, um, th- this was this was fun. This was a fun project and a fun character analysis. I know, I know that we covered a lot more with Rorschach, but there's a lot more on Rorschach in yeah. here. But, you know, here we do have more questions than answers, so. I think it's, it's funny that after, when all is said and done, Osmandius is more like the question than Rorschach was. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's definitely got that same like nuclear response to stuff for sure. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it, man. I mean, this was, this was quite interesting. Um, I would say that when I originally kind of like proposed this idea, I did not know that this was the path that was going to go down. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm still satisfied with, uh, with the results. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah. So. And I'm not even sure if there's another book just off the top of my head that we could do this with, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, the Watchmen is a very settings driven story, but the characters are very deep. Um, I don't know. Hey, if uh, if any of you listeners have any suggestions for books that you'd like to see us dissect and uh, and examine like this, hit us up. Let us know. Or even or even just like characters, you know, just like a particular character. Like you yeah. know, we you know we could dive deep into Batman. I don't think we're gonna be able to to say anything more than anybody else has. But yeah, you no. Know, and I would say if if you're gonna if you're gonna propose something like that, something maybe a little bit more, not totally obscure. But but a little off the mainstream, yeah, um, would uh, would be interesting because I think it would be a challenge for both of us as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we'll be a lot more likely to listen to you if you send us money. So anyway, bye everybody. Zang yo. All right, there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's, uh, let's give him a hand.